Thank you, Brother Steve. Beautiful music we have enjoyed this morning in worship to the Lord. We'll look forward to more beautiful music this afternoon at 530. I encourage you to join me as our uh, choir and orchestra narrators will be uh, doing a Christmas concert. You will be able to be involved in that. There is designed within it much interaction with the congregation, so you'll enjoy singing familiar hymns. Return with me to Matthew chapter 2 this morning. As we divert from our Acts series for just a little bit, next Sunday, of course, we will be observing communion, and that will be within the context of the Lord's birth. What a wonderful time to come before the Lord in celebration for what he did for us on the cross by recognizing that he first had to come and be born and take on human flesh so that as one of us and in our place, he'd be the perfect and final sacrifice for our sin, for he is the eternal Son of God. There's been much written on the star, often coined at the star of Bethlehem. There are different theories as to what the star was. Some think a planet. Some think it was alignment of three planets at a particular time of the year. And that the Magi saw, and when they saw that alignment, they recognized it as something very significant. But no matter what your perspective is on the star, the star is not the main part of this event. It is the coming of the eternal Son of God at the perfect time. For the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, made under a woman under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law. God, who is eternal in his perfect timing, sent forth his Son to be born in this world. What wonderful humility that Jesus the Creator the very one who formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, that same creator took on the likeness of his own creation as a baby and was born. These wise men saw this and they come searching for the one that is to be born, the king of the Jews. And I want you to see this morning the response of Herod, the response of the chief priests and scribes, and the response of the wise men, as you will see that reflected even today in how people respond to the birth of Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you would, in verses 3 and 4 of Matthew chapter 2. In verse 3, the Bible declares, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Skip down to verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now skip down to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Look at Herod's response to Messiah's birth. First, he was agitated. He thought that his position was threatened. He thought that his work in bringing peace to the region was in danger of unraveling. 
Messiah would upset his comfortable life. This is the same Herod who had his favorite wife murdered and two of their sons who stood in line to rule after him because he had suspected that they were going to assassinate him. By this time, according to uh, period historians, uh, this Herod was paranoid and did many irrational things out of fear. And so this also happened, though it was prophesied by Jeremiah, the prophet, that this would happen. Herod is agitated in this because he's afraid that his rule is going to be threatened, the peace that he had worked so hard to establish the reputation that he worked so long to build for those at Rome and in authority was being threatened. He was agreeable, though. He assisted the wise men in the quest. These wise men, logically, they come to who is he who is ruling in Judea at Jerusalem? And they come to Herod and, and they inquire of him. And he's, all, he's very agreeable. And he inquires of the chief priests and of the scribes, hey, these wise men have come. Where is Messiah to be born? So he is agreeable and that he is very helpful. He is very congenial. There are many people that admit that Jesus Christ was born and that we celebrate Christmas. They're very agreeable. There are many people, we who are saved, that witness to unbelievers who will be very polite and they'll be very agreeable, maybe because they don't want us to witness to them for too long. They just want to be polite and get us off their back and go on their way. They don't want to get into a debate. Maybe they don't want to face possibly the conviction of the truth by the Holy Spirit. But it was artificial as well. He requested the wise men to come back and tell him where the Messiah was so that he could what? Come and worship him also. Did he have any intention of worshiping Messiah? Absolutely not. This was the ultimate in hypocrisy. He was artificial or hypocritical. His pretense was for the sake of the priests and the scribes. And he was angry and he ruthlessly murdered all the little two-year-old boys in Bethlehem and in that region two years old and younger. Don't respond to Jesus in this manner, my friend. There may be somebody watching us by way of live stream. Maybe somebody here, you came today searching for truth, searching for answers, spiritual answers this Christmas season. Don't respond as Herod did by merely being agreeable or just being agitated you maybe you know something's not quite right and and maybe something in your life has been made uncomfortable and you're trying to just kind of take care of that and and maybe you're just trying to get god has been speaking to you and you're just being agreeable but your response so far has just been artificial don't be angry because god loves you he is a god who is just he is a god who is righteous if you and i Received from God's hand what we deserve, we'd already be burning in the lake of fire. The very moment you willfully chose to violate your conscience and do something that you knew was wrong, you earned God's eternal punishment forever. And at that moment, you deserved eternal death. So did I. So does everyone. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. Yet God is a God of mercy and of grace. He's given you life. He has let you join us this morning, either by way of live stream or in person, to hear this wonderful, true gospel account. 
the wonderful message of Christmas that Jesus Christ, eternal God, came to this earth in the perfect timing so that he could live a perfect life and as one of us and in our place go to the cross having fulfilled the law which we have broken, having never sinned as the perfect spotless Lamb of God to sacrifice himself for he is also our great high priest and die on the cross in our place for our sin. Three days later he conquered death and resurrected is a living eternal son of God. He has the loving desire and all the power and authority to forgive and to cleanse you from your sin, to give you his gift of everlasting life. If you will accept him and his gift. You say, aren't I good enough to get to heaven on my own? Or does that mean that my family, my ancestors who believed in this religion or that religion that they are not in heaven with God because their faith was not in Jesus but it was in their religion yes but don't let that make you angry at God make let that make you angry at the devil for he is the liar and the father of it and all false religion comes from Satan be thankful that you have opportunity that there is hope for you and that you can receive the gift of everlasting life Second of all, look at the response of the chief priests and the scribes to Messiah's birth. Go back to verses 4 to 6. The Bible says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. First, I want you to see that their response was very accurate. They knew precisely where to go to in the Old Testament. And when these wise men came to them and said, where is the king of the Jews? They said, here it is, Micah chapter 5. And they knew exactly where to go. And they knew exactly where Jesus was to be born, where Messiah was to be born. They were very accurate in their understanding. But they were also academic in their understanding and in their response. They merely answered the technical question. There was no personal attachment or application in their life to this truth that Messiah would be born. Here, these wise men came at great expense, great time, great money. They came at great distance, at great effort, because they came to pay homage and to worship this one, the king of the Jews. And the chief priests and the scribes, when these men come and say, where is he to be born? They just answer a technical question they're just academic in their response. And friend, let me tell you, there's a little gospel tract. It's entitled Missing Heaven by 18 Inches. The approximate distance from your brain to your heart. And the point is that you may have an academic knowledge and believe, yes, Jesus is a historical figure, and I believe that he was born of the Virgin Mary, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again. But if all you do is have a mental agreement, and it's just kind of an academic ascent, just like George Washington was the first president of the United States, or World War II started on September 1st, 1939, when Nazi Germany invaded Poland, or any other historical event or figure, if that's the only thing you have is an academic ascent, that's not salvation. 
The Bible says in John 1, 12, as Pastor Mike read it, and as many as received him. When you receive eternal life, you receive not only the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the gift of eternal life, you receive the very person, the friendship, a relationship with Jesus Christ, for your faith is in him, the living Son of God. It cannot just be that you know the facts of the gospel. It must be that you have in your soul accepted, or we might say owned those truths. And upon Jesus Christ, and only on Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross must rest your faith for everlasting life. And third of all, not only was the chief priest and the scribes' response accurate and merely academic, but it was also apathetic. They did not seek to join with the wise men to go and seek for Messiah. They showed no joy or enthusiasm. Do you realize that the distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem was six miles? And they did not even care enough to just go and check it out for themselves. Do not, please do not allow your familiarity with the gospel to callous you into unbelief. But instead, ask God through his Holy Spirit to reveal the reality of the personal nature of Jesus Christ in salvation to you. And don't be satisfied with an academic understanding, but rather enter into a personal trust relationship with Jesus Christ. And then third of all, I want you to see the wise men's response to Messiah's birth. Look at verses 1 to 3, and then we'll skip down to verses 9 to 12. In verses 1 to 3, the Bible says, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And then, if you'll look down in verse 9, the Bible says, when they had heard the king, these are the wise men, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not returned to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. They were, first of all, their response was active. They left their home at great expense for a long period of time to head to Israel to seek out this King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Second of all, they were assuming, they thought that the Jews already knew of this event and accepted it and were excited to share the good news. I believe as they walked into Herod's palace and into his very presence and they said, hey, where is he who's born king of the Jews? They must have been shocked that Herod was agitated and troubled. Maybe that he didn't even know. You see, this Herod was Jewish and Edomian. He would have been brought up knowing these prophecies. And yet... He knew so little of the Old Testament that he had to bring in the chief priests and the scribes and say, hey, where, where's Messiah supposed to be born? And they must have been shocked at that. They immediately and actively responded to the revelation that God had given them. And I will promise you this, my friend. 
You may not clearly yet personally understand the gospel, but if you will make this promise before God, God, you reveal your truth to me, and I promise as you reveal it to me, I will respond to that truth. And by the way, Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. It's the scriptures that are the truth. And if you'll respond to the truth of the Spirit of God as he reveals Christ through the word of God, you respond to that revelation and God will give you more to that point where you will come to that understanding where in childlike faith you stop trusting in yourself, your good works, your background, your own morality, and your own wisdom, and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for your salvation. But it was active. It was assuming. It was accepting. They believed the scriptural prophecy presented by the chief priests and the scribes, and they acted on it. Well, in Bethlehem, all right. Uh, which way is Bethlehem? It's six miles that way. Okay, let's go, guys. They got on the camels, and they hot-footed it towards Bethlehem. They went. They, they, they uh, accepted that, that the scriptures were true, that this prophecy was accurate. And on the word of these chief priests and the scribes, they headed to Bethlehem. Notice that they, that, that they accepted that, and then, of course, the star went before them. But there was a step of faith, even though God had given them revelation of the star when they were back in their home country, and they realized they needed to head to Israel. When they get to Israel, logical sense, hey, king of the Jews is going to, well, Jerusalem is the capital, let's go there. Let's find who the ruler is, and let's celebrate this. And then when the scripture was revealed to them where he'd be born, then they said, well, let's go. We accept that the scriptures are accurate and that Bethlehem is the place where this king will be born. And they acted on it. And then they were animated. Uh, If you'd look with me, the Bible says that they were filled with exceeding great joy. Verse 10. The word exceeding is translated in other places in the Greek vehement or vehemently. And then great is mega. All right. So it was a vehemently huge excitement and joy that they had. Hey, folks, we who are saved, have we left off that joy? Is there a lacklusterness to our attitude towards the wondrous Savior? Have we begun to take our relationship with him for granted the gift of salvation for granted the incredible humbling act of obedience that jesus the son of god equal with the father in obedience to the father's command was made in the likeness of his own creation paul says in philippians 2 that he humbled himself have we lost the wonder and the joy of our salvation it's wonderful to give and to receive presents at christmas and to appreciate uh, the love expressed and the thoughtfulness by those who give us gifts and the you know and it's it's wonderful to be able to express our love to people by giving them gifts at christmas time but you know what giving and receiving gifts ought not to bring us any greater joy than the birth of our savior matter of fact those joys of being with family and giving and receiving gifts and all the wonderful holiday traditions, all of the joy and enjoyment that we get out of those things put together ought to be infinitesimal compared to the joy we have in our salvation and in our Savior. These wise men, when they came into the presence of Messiah, 
who had mega vehement joy. And they were adoring. They fell down before Jesus in all humility and worshipped him with great reverence. These wise men, these magi, would have been deeply respected, very powerful, influential men. But they don't come as dignitaries, just representatives to another dignitary on the same level, but they bow before him and they worship him and they adore him. Isn't it amazing? So many people in Israel who knew about Messiah and knew where he was going to be born and knew the scriptures and had all of that knowledge did not have the same recognition of these wise men, these Gentiles, who rejoiced that they had found Messiah and they worshipped him. And they adored him. Warren Wearsby said this, what a wonderful challenge to us who are saved. Their experience is a good lesson in finding the will of God. First, they followed the light God gave them. Number two, they confirmed their steps by the word of God. And three, they obeyed God without question and he led them each step of the way. I would admonish and encourage you to respond to Jesus Christ by faith and joyfully worship the Savior. The wise men asked, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Roman soldiers mocked Jesus, bowing before him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And on Jesus' cross was the writing, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. But Jesus is not only the King of the Jews, my friend. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Lord not only of creation, but of salvation. And you need to trust him today. And if you have trusted him as your Savior... First of all, expect that there are going to be people, not just at this Christmas season, but throughout the year as we are sharing our faith and as we are living a testimony to bring glory to Jesus Christ, there are people that are going to have the same responses that Herod had. It's very typical in our culture. Or even that the scribes and the chief priests had. That also is a very normative response. But as we plant the seed and we, and we water the seed of the gospel... What a wonderful, thrilling thing it is for us to see some people will respond like the wise men with exceeding joy and with humility and by faith they will worship and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, their Messiah. So let's be faithful and let us follow God's will, responding to the revelation he gives us through his Spirit according to the word of God and being careful to consult the word of God in every aspect of our daily living. And then, not forgetting that as we worship our Savior, that we do so extravagantly with great joy. These wise men brought extravagant gifts. May we give ourselves completely to our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. Shall we bow our heads this morning? In a moment, we will have a brief invitation. I'll have our pianist come and just play a hymn. Our associate pastors will be at the back of the auditorium near the main aisle. We'll stand in a moment with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and our pianist will play. That is the time when we would invite you to respond to the truth 
that you've heard this morning. And we would invite you, if you only have an academic knowledge of Jesus Christ, or if you just have an agitated, artificial response to Christ so far, and yet the Word of God this morning, the Holy Spirit has shown you that Christ loves you. He died and rose for you. He wants to give you eternal life. The fact that you're hearing this message this morning is evidence of his personal love for you. And your heart is beginning to respond to that. And you would like to accept his gift of eternal life. You would like to know that your sins have been forever forgiven and that you will spend eternity with him. Then our pastors are in the back. Just make your way back to them quietly and let them know of your need. They'll have someone take you into a quiet place with the word of God and in a few minutes show you the way of salvation from the scriptures. And you can leave here today knowing that you have eternal life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as God has spoken to your heart, I would encourage you also to respond. If there's some issue or need in your life that you would like counseling or prayer, please go to the back and let the pastors know about that. If you would just like to come forward to the front as a believer and there's just something on your heart you'd like to pour out before God, you can come here and turn these steps into an altar and lay yourself upon it before the Lord and pray. I would just invite you to respond however God moves in your heart. Shall we now stand with our heads bowed as our pianist begins to play our hymn of invitation.